0: All right, everyone. Welcome to the Nielsen Show. It is election night, evening, whatever. It's 516 here in Utah. And hopefully you'll be there sending your mail-in ballot because they're still shipping them things out like pallet loads. But we have an economy message here. Uh, This is from the Epic Times, the state of the U.S. economy on election day. Millions of Americans heading to polls, with many seeing the struggling state of the U.S. economy as their primary concern for Election Day. The highly anticipated November 8th midterm elections are a referendum on President Joe Biden and the Democrats. As the Republicans attempt to take back both houses of Congress, if the Republicans are (laughs) successful, it may be seen as a validation for former President Donald Trump as he appears poised to announce that he is running for the presidency in 2024. The Republicans only need to gain a few more seats to retake control of Congress. Both parties are promoting widely varying pictures on the state of the American economy. Inflation and the economy in general are two of the biggest concerns into the election as the cost of living is at a 40-year high. Rising prices and the quality of life are the focus of the Republicans in their campaign to win a majority on the Hill, and they are pinning the blame on Biden and the Democrats. The Democrats, meanwhile, are pointing to a strong jobs market and wage growth as part of their plan to retain increasingly worried voters. Now, I know they keep saying that all the time. They come out on the news and or whatever media outlet they're on. The economy's great, uh, wages are up. The problem is that inflation kills. Wages being up. So they may be telling you the truth, but they're not telling you the whole truth. And it's like, okay, so if you made 20 bucks an hour, you got a pay increase to 25 bucks an hour, but inflation is going up by 40% for fuel, for uh your utilities, groceries, any of that stuff, your your any of your goods, essentially, into the inflation equation, you're probably making $18 an hour. <laughs> Sad but true. That's how that inflation equation works. So, I don't know, you just got to dig into what they're telling you because most of it's usually BS. Let's see, what does it say here? Election day closing numbers from polls that traditionally undercount GOP votes. Turns out record inflation, soaring crime, closed schools, and an open border along with an infirm president doesn't make for a good year, radio host Hugh Hewitt expressed in a tweet. It's the economy, it's it's the economy, stupid. Yeah, what the? I'm reading this weird. It's the economy, stupid, is on my bingo card for the night. Oh, (laughs) that threw me off. (laughs) The U.S. economy, 2022. The big elephant in the room has been the massive rise in inflation, which has dominated U.S. political headlines. The latest inflation rate figures currently stands at 8.2 percent, the highest since the early 1980s. Core prices have dramatically gone up along with housing, fuel, and groceries while on Biden's watch. Well, you're not just kidding there. Like, Go to the grocery store and try and get a, a few items. You're like 30, 40 bucks. Um, fuel right now. I mean, we've got a, a looming diesel shortage. I, I mean, I mean, I know how we got here because of policies, bad policies nonetheless, but I know how we got here. And you can just look at the gas signs when you drive by gas is still okay. It's not cheap, but it's still kind of hanging down there a little bit, but diesel prices are going through the roof. Well, supply and demand. That's kind of how that thing works. And the demand is still going to be there. It's actually an increased demand for diesel. And I don't know, maybe there's more people driving diesel vehicles now than there, I mean, I know there is, than there used to be, because they're just a lot better truck now, car, well, actually, I don't think they make a diesel car, but in the truck industry, anyways, you get better torque, all this other stuff out of them, so it's kind of a no-brainer to not use one, especially if you tow a lot of stuff, Uh, it's the only way to go. Um, let's see here. The U.S. economy, 2022, the big elephant in the room, has been the massive rise in inflation, which has dominated U.S. political headlines. The latest inflation rate figures currently stands at 8.2%, the highest since the early 1980s. And I've heard different stories on that as well, that it depends on how you calculate it. So I, I, we'll just go with 8.2. Um, did I already read this? Maybe I already read, I'm rereading it. Core prices have dramatically gone up, along with the housing, fuel, and groceries. While on Biden's watch, the problem with housing is the Fed, as well, raising their rates. Um, Essentially, with the upper, the high cost of the house to begin with, uh, most people can't afford them anymore. Because it's it's essentially what they're trying to do is raise the interest rates enough without just completely. Collapsing the economy, <laughs> which I don't know, they they've got themselves in a bind now because they've you know had low low to essentially negative interest rates, and the the stupid thing is is they do this all the time because the head of the Federal Reserve, which is supposed to be a separate entity from the federal government, is appointed by the president. So every time a new president comes in, they can either elect to leave whoever's there in or put in someone else. And they always try and do it politically, especially, you know, when you got midterms and stuff like that. Which that's what hasn't really made a whole lot of sense to me is why are they not keeping the low interest rates low? Because, I mean, that's typically what happens. You want to keep the economy looking good, whatever, and keep the interest rates low so people can still get loans and afford to get into houses. But they didn't. They've been raising them pretty steadily, trying to quash out the freaking high inflation. And that kind of, because nobody has, they're not spending money on housing. So that's going to kill that down. But it's also going to kill the people that are building the houses because nobody's going to be buying them. And hopefully the builders haven't strung themselves out so far that they're building all these homes with the anticipation that people are just going to be lining up to buy them. Uh, that I I don't know. We might be looking at another two thousand eight here. Hopefully not, but I've I've heard all kinds of different rumors. It's gonna be worse. It's it's a different economy now, so it's not gonna be the same. I mean, either way, the Fed pushed out way too much money out in the out into the ethosphere. And now they're trying to bring it all back. <laughs> uh let's see here. Where are we at? Uh wages for many workers have not kept up with inflation. Hmm. Um, forcing many households to lean on savings or credit cards to pay their rising bill costs. The Democrats hold both the White House and Congress, which historically has led to the dominant party facing losses during the midterms. Biden and his party have tried to pass blame for the struggling economy on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, we heard that one. Former President Trump and the after... Oh, yeah, he's trying to blame, blame everything on Trump, too. I, I hate it when presidents do that. Oh, it's so-and-so's fault. You know what? I don't care whose fault it is. Just freaking fix the problem that you guys caused in the first place. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, which historically has led to the dominant party facing losses during the midterms. Biden and his party have tried to pass blame in uh, the aftershocks of the supply chain crisis caused by the pandemic. The war in Ukraine and the ensuing sanctions on Russia have led to a jump in commodity prices, especially in energy, industrial metals, and fertilizer. The President's Inflation Recovery Act, which was passed over the summer, appears to have done little except bring back to the United States sensitive microprocessor production from China. Has it? I mean, if it has, I don't know where they're doing it at. Republicans also blame the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, which was passed in 2021, with Democrat majority as a prime cause for the weakening of the U.S. dollar. The bill freely pumped out money to households, unemployment relief and state and local governments nationwide but critics say that it greatly inflated the federal debt and did not take into account its impact on inflation analysts at the federal reserve bank of san francisco have estimated that the stimulus bill likely accounted for a three percent jump in the inflation rate a number which was also supported by similar findings by bloomberg economics meanwhile stocks particularly in big tech have tumbled about 20 percent this year which caused 401k retirement savings accounts to take a hit if you are lucky enough to have one and look at your losses this year, it sucks. Mortgage <laughs> rates have hit their highest level since 2002, causing the housing market to slump. This combined with existing high home sales prices have made the situation worse for potential buyers. And depending on what state and what parts of which states you live in, it was probably unaffordable to begin with, <laughs> especially here in Utah. However, Housing prices in many regions are now starting to fall, which is causing concern for those willing to sell their homes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the housing market all the time, right? It's either a buyer's market or a seller's market. There's never a happy medium. Since the early months of the pandemic in 2020, millions of Americans have returned to work His conditions started to subside nationwide. And that's why Biden can get away with saying, uh, the economy's better under me than it was under the predecessor. Because... Nobody was working in the last year or whatever of Trump's presidency because everybody, the governors were shutting their states down, forcing everybody to shut their businesses down. And then uh, also just, you know, nobody going out and spending money <laughs> for the most part. And other than the essential places, you know, they got to keep their doors open. So now that the pandemic's over and everybody went back to work for the most part, he's trying to claim oh, look, look what I've done. I've created this robust economy. It's like, well, you're looking from the very lowest point it was when you took office to what it is now because people have had to go back to work because there's no more free money flowing out everywhere that it makes it look good, but it's just an inflated, you know, I I hate to rip on Biden too much because he is our president, good or bad, but he's a moron. (laughs) And a plagiarist. So, of course, he's going to, you know, he's going to say, I I did this, I did that. The government doesn't really do much other than cause problems. That's that's one thing they're good at. Uh, but, I don't know, all the president's doing it's kind of irritating for the most part. Like, oh, look what I did here. And it's like, you know what? You don't need to go out there and gloat. Just get rid of the regulations so people can have some freedom. Create businesses. Put people to work. Uh, and pay decent wages and you know bring more of the stuff back here to the states instead of us exporting or importing most of our goods and start doing it here. Um, let's see. since early months of the pandemic in 2020, millions of Americans have returned to work as conditions started to subside nationwide. Unemployment is currently at a five decade low according to official statistics, like say, depending on how they decide to uh, put all the numbers together. Uh, but many workers are apparently working at one or more lower-paying part-time jobs and less in full-time jobs, keeping jobless numbers low, say analysts. So see, there there you go. It's like, depends on how you put all these numbers together. The continuously solid hiring rate has been strong enough to keep a serious recession at bay and consumer spending steady for now. There was a rise in unemployment in September, but businesses were still hiring at a faster-than-expected pace. All right, I took a little break there without telling anybody. <laughs> well, I guess you probably figured that out. So I want to, before I finish up this article, I want to go. <laughs> uh, so here's a couple of memes to start this off. So here's one from the Tuttle Twins. Uh, it's got the guy with his hand out, pointing at his palm, basically saying, you know, I need my tax money. So it says, when you want to make an addition to your home, you've got to pay the government. When you own a vehicle, gotta pay the government. (laughs) When you own property, still gotta pay the government. When you die, uh, unfortunately, you still gotta pay the government. When you give someone money or property, the government. When you work extra hard and make overtime, the government really loves you then. (laughs) Paying that extra taxes. When you get paid, you pay the government. When you pay an employee, you also gotta pay the government along With the employee. (laughs) When you sell something, the government wants their peace. When you buy something, the government... I mean, it could probably go on and on because that's basically what taxation is. Tax you till you're dead. And then beyond, they got a hold of you. But there's another one. Let's see. So, four... Where did it go here? I thought I saved it. Maybe I didn't. Dang it. Anyways, the the premise of it basically said... uh, Go buy groceries, go fill up your car, and something else I can't remember, and then go vote. Because <laughs> by that time you'll be mad enough to understand uh, what's going on with our economy. <laughs> uh, let's so let's see here. Let's get back to this article here, and we'll finish it off. It says the Fed's attempt to balance growth and inflation back over here on my cursor here okay oh whoops okay u.s gross domestic product contracted in the first half of the year before making a recovery in the third quarter but recession fears still linger federal reserves fight against inflation by raising interest rates has led economists to worry that it will increase the risk of recession by making borrowing rates more expensive that almost sounds like common sense (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, we won't insert that, if anything, the government's doing, that's for sure. Okay, so, uh, where were they? The Fed's aggressive policies have already caused a decline on Wall Street and in the housing markets, cutting into the assets of millions of American households. Any further rate tightening may push the economy into a recession, causing unemployment to go up. A jobless rate of above 6% may be required to get inflation. So they basically want to make everybody poor to bring down their their inflation. People, I tell you what, I don't know how these people get in charge of this place. Uh, Let's see. A jobless rate of above 6% may be required to get inflation down to the Fed's 2% inflation target, which would cost millions of Americans to lose their jobs. That sounds like an awesome idea. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers told Bloomberg markets are currently priced to the federal funds rate to gradually rise closer to 5% by March 2023, according to Bloomberg. So, yeah, that'll pretty much price everybody out of the current housing market, uh, myself included. It's like if I didn't have a 2% on my house right now, yeah, I'd be I'd be sleeping on the curb. Uh, markets are currently priced. Oh, I already read that part. Dang it. I'm trying this double screen thing and it's throwing me off. Um, Let's see here. Double prize. The Biden administration moves to win back voters in the fall. Isn't it already fall? (laughs) Maybe this article is a little bit behind schedule here. Uh, Now I can't get it to scroll. There it goes. Uh, The administration has tried other economic moves to boost its poll ratings, such as an attempt to form a supply chain task force. It's all we need. More government people to screw it up more, <laughs> and the controversial removal of tariffs on Trump-era imports from China. Since then, household savings built up during the pandemic have fallen steadily by the month since the beginning of the year. The most obvious sign of inflation for most Americans is the rise of prices at the pump, making it a key election issue. Yeah, like I said, you know, you gotta get to and from work and or move stuff around, and you gotta go fill up those vehicles, whoo doggy, that starts eating your bottom line pretty quick. Um, the failure of Biden to convince Saudi Arabia and its OPEC allies to increase oil production through the November elections has caused the White House to take drastic measures to calm voter anger. Yeah, uh, maybe you shouldn't have canceled the Keystone Pipeline. <laughs> the president even floated the possibility of imposing a windfall tax on oil companies if they did not spend enough to increase production and lower prices. Now, I just don't see how that's legal that they can punish the oil companies and then tell them what they can or can't do to make a profit. Now, here's the thing. He's t- going around touting that these oil companies are just gouging people and they're making record profits. Let's put it this way. They're not putting that money into exploratory drilling and or new wells. So, if, you know, they've always had profits. That's a business model. You want to make money. I mean, it would be a stupid not to (laughs) if in a capitalist society and, you know, they've even been talking about, oh, we're going to, we're going to take over the, you know, the gas and oil industries and then it'll get better. Well, you know, if you want to learn a little history, go look what happened to Venezuela and not too far long ago, what was going on in Venezuela? Because the same crap, inflation, uh, the energy, all that stuff, the government took over and it wasn't good. Uh let's see. Gas prices on election day are $1.41 higher than when Biden took office in January 2021, when a regular gallon of gas stood at 2.39. What? <laughs> that ain't what he told me. He was he was saying they're they're low again. Maybe he's meaning just low from the high of like $6 a gallon. <laughs> Uh, the Democrats' green energy policies and Biden administration's unwillingness to allow for more drilling and pipeline construction are all factors in the rise of prices. Biden decided to again tap the National Strategic Petroleum Reserves in a bid to keep prices low and a boost Democrat chances for the midterms. Too late. The White House has also promoted a plan to forgive as much as $20,000 of student debt per borrower to win back voters. That's just buying votes with our dang tax money. It freaking pisses me off so bad. Which critics say will make inflation worse. Uh, Duh. Or just make everybody poorer because guess who's footing the bill? Control of Congress will also partially determine whether Biden can enact... More of his economic agenda over the next two years when the u s. economy will likely be in the middle of a recession. Now, see, they've already set this up that uh, if the economy crashes, it's the Republican's fault. They've already gone out there and blasted that everywhere. So the people that are still watching the 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 big six main media news outlets, they've pushed this everywhere. The Democrats been pushing it hard. If you elect, if you elect a Republican, they're gonna tank the economy. Guess what? It's already po- poised to do that. It's it's right there. It's just a matter of when the, somebody lights that match and the powder keg goes off. Um, some economists say that the problems facing the American economy will continue into the 2024 president yeah presidential elections. It will keep going because anything that makes any sense that the Republicans, if they do take over to the House and the Senate, Biden's just going to veto them. So, yeah, we'll be. And then he'll go out and it's those darn Republicans just blocking all my agenda. Well, you're the one that's vetoing all their stuff that they want to pass so goes both ways, unfortunately. The conventional wisdom is, understandably, that the consensus forecast of a gridlock America after today's midterms will keep the government out of the way of markets, noted the well-known economist Mohamed el Elarian R- L- in a tweet. <laughs> uh, he is hopefully hopeful that political gridlock will distract politicians from interfering with the markets no matter who wins an advantage in the voting booth This year, yet the economic context calls for smart government policies, supply side, fiscal uh, protection of the most vulnerable segments of the population, global policy leadership to help enhance the economy's ability to grow strongly, sustainably and inclusively, especially as the late Fed seeks to contain inflation. Yeah, the the problem is they've uh, thrown so much money out there now and with the supply chain. The way it is. I mean, and that's that's with everything, even domestic stuff, because of everything being shut down for dang near a year. That it's going to take a while for all that, you know, people to come into the workforce, get trained in the workforce, especially there are new people coming into the workforce. And then, you know, you're going to have to go to building uh, building infrastructure if we plan on doing any of the stuff that we've essentially sent overseas for other countries to build and then ship back to us. <laughs> um, oh, here it is. I think I found it. Where? Where? Uh, let's see. do I know I saved it. It had to have. It was too good. Well, oh, dang it. I can't find it. I was going to go over that meme. But anyways, here's a quick history of who did it. <laughs> uh, you can probably guess these. Killed Blinken, a Democrat. Killed JFK, a Democrat. Killed MLK, a Democrat. Created the KKK, Democrats. Wrenched blacks, Democrats. Segregation, Democrats. Created Jim Crow, Democrats. In internment camps, Democrats. The Confederacy, Democrats called racists. Republicans. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, if that ain't about true. Uh oh, here's another one. Here's a picture of these uh guys, old school military guys loading up some ammo in a plane. It says the standard U.S. ammo belt was twenty-seven feet long or nine yards. This is where the expression the whole nine yards comes from. Here's a little history lesson. How about that? uh what else we got here like there's some stuff about Twitter that I was trying to go over here to uh to get a little off of the subject of voting uh because there was also I don't know you heard me talk about probably uh the true the vote people so there's actually oh uh, what 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 do they call it let me see if I can get over here and find it it is there was uh, those two people. There was a guy and this lady that started this "True the Vote" stuff. They were part of the uh, oh, what was it? The 2020 election stuff. You no, know, they've been finding. They're the ones that were essentially in the 2000 Mules uh, movie that Dinesh D'Souza put together, and kind of showed the stuff they found. You know, they bought all these phone pings they traced like the a certain number of these people in the swing state areas that people were complaining that there was you know something funky going on you know where poll watchers were kicked out of the rooms they covered up the windows or they told everybody they were done counting for the night everybody goes home and leaves and then they start counting again. but you know you can't say that because you know you can't you can't claim there was election fraud. Because Joe Biden won. <laughs> but everybody else, you know, Hillary Clinton, there's a few of them out there already already setting it up to get in their, their bases' heads that if the Democrats don't win, it was the Republicans cheated. But then as soon as the Republicans say that, it's like, you guys won't ever accept the, the results of an election. <laughs> <laughs> oh, politics these days are so freaking ugly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I like this one here because it doesn't let me get into my saved stuff here. Uh, oh, maybe it's in profile. No, history. Nope. That's just saying I've paid them. <laughs> Seats and passes. Nope. Subscription. Uh nope not there either dang it all right I'm gonna have to go to my phone um because it was an interesting story anyways I'll I'll get into some of the Twitter stuff real quick um this was from Elijah Schaefer breaking as the new Twitter blue is rolling out some users are upset when selecting your sex option in the profile it only has male female and other. If a user selects other, a seek mental help pop-up box appears <laughs> and the app makes them auto-follow libs of TikTok. <laughs> ah, if that's true, that is way too funny. <laughs> somebody <laughs> somebody that has Twitter, look that up and find out if that's true or not. <laughs> and then send me an email at the Nielsen Show 2021 at Outlook.com. Uh, and then it says, when asked for a comment, a Twitter spokesman said... We are a private company and we could do whatever we want. Don't like it? Build your own platform. Don't know how? Learn to code. Oh, man, that hurts. <laughs> ah, There's some serious people butthurt on that one. I can guarantee. <laughs> oh, that's just too funny. Um, let's see here. I got to get out of this. Now. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Okay, where is it? Ah. Got a smartphone and too many freaking apps on here. That's my problem. Um, And then I got to go over here and find my saved stuff. And then I can read the article. (laughs) There we go. Saved articles. Okay. Well, let's just get into this uh, article here. Extremely low supply of diesel. Terrifying. Montana Attorney General. Um, Let's see. The current low level of diesel fuel is terrifying, Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen said, due to its potential effect on the supply chain and food production. Yeah, you know, guess what? Them farmers' tractors, they all run on diesel. They're not battery-powered and with solar panels and windmills on top of them. <laughs> As the United States faces record high inflation and gas prices, concerns are rising about inadequate supplies of diesel fuel, which, according to gas companies, will only drive up its price. It's frankly terrifying. We're at less than a month's supply of diesel fuel in this country. To put this in perspective, we haven't had a diesel shortage this major since 1951. Knudsen told the host of Newsmakers, a collaboration program between the Epic Times and NTD, during a November 1st interview. Uh, What you have to realize is we have much higher demand for diesel fuel today than we did in 1951. Yeah, that's true. Data from the U.S. Energy Information Administration shows that, as of October 21st, the United States had 26 days of supply, a drop from around 34 days five weeks ago. This shortage should concern the shipping industry, the freight industry, trucking, railroads, Knudson said, these transportation industries will face higher prices, and that's just going to further exacerbate our supply chain problems in this country, he added. That's why I've been telling you now for, for weeks, or possibly months, to start getting your food supplies, water supply, all the stuff you need to, to reduce your reliance to the grocery stores, because... Like I said, if the food supply starts shortening up, it's not getting to the grocery stores. And before long, it you're not going to be able to get anything there anyways. Uh, because it's not being delivered with the diesel power delivery trucks. Um, let's see. Uh, Truckers are the lifeblood of the country and, and the present administration should realize that trucks run on diesel fuel. They don't run on fairy dust and rainbows. What? You guys, hi said Knutson. This is going to have tremendous ripple across our economy. According to Mansfield Energy, diesel markets operate comfortably with about 35- to 40-day supply and start to face problems when supply gets down to 30 days, so the 25-day supply is a critical issue. There is simply a shortage of product as compared to three years ago, said Michael Mansfield, CEO of Mansfield Energy, during an interview with Fox & Friends on November 2nd, adding that there is about 1 million barrels a day less diesel refining capacity than in years past. There have been several refinery shutdowns. These refineries won't come back online and the product is not as available as it once was. So we have to import more and just simply pay higher prices. Awesome! Government pushing the ESG. This diesel shortage is a part of a larger problem, the attack on American fossil fuels, Knudsen said, as the government pushes its climate agenda, which is the uh, 0 something or other agenda, uh, via banks and environmental, social, and governance policies, rewarding them for not investing in fossil fuel. Knudsen criticized the progressive left criticized the progressive left for using questionable means to implement their climate agenda via big corporations because they couldn't get it done through the legislative process and consensus. We shouldn't be surprised when we see that those industries are disincentivized from producing more of what we need in this country. They're under full-out attack, not just from the administration, but from this administration's friends in big banking, he continued. Knudson, along with 18 other state attorneys general, launched an investigation into six major banks for potentially deceptive trade practices tied to ESG policy-related actions. It is believed that the Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo, with oversight by the UN, collectively agreed that each of their lending practices will reflect the target of net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, with interim targets in 2030 based on the Paris Agreement, Knudsen's office wrote in an October 19th press statement. Meanwhile, Mansfield did not specifically mention ESG policies, but said regulatory costs have made it impossible for some oil refineries to continue their business. Uh, Sorry about that. Some refineries have been damaged, but others have simply closed. Just because there's the regulatory cost of running the refineries, it's gotten to the point where they simply can't do business anymore. I believe there are about seven fewer refineries in the US today than there were in 2019, said Mansfield. There you go. Government caused more problems than they're worth. Uh, no, 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 no. I surprise. Well, let's not get into that yet. Um. Uh, all right, let's see here. Maybe I didn't save the articles I thought I did. Uh, I got a bunch of COVID-19 vaccine stuff. They're still pushing that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, these vaccines are good for five-year-olds and up. Um, for me, personally, no thanks. Oh, let's see here. Oh, here's another article about the diesel shortage. Uh, could cripple the economy. Yes, yes, that is true. It could. I think it will. I don't think there's any... Could to it. <laughs> all right, I can't find. I thought that I had a Twitter article here, but I guess not. So I guess let's get into some more bad news. Let's go to um, a surprising threat to the U.S. power grid could plunge the country into darkness. Um. So let me think here. I don't know if I'm gonna have enough time to read all of this in one. Peace, so I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Okay, here we go. Uh, A surprising threat to the U.S. power grid could plunge the country into darkness. The importance of a strong power grid cannot be emphasized enough. Often when a grid fails, the results are terrifying. Of all the major power grids in the world, the United States is one of the more vulnerable to attack. State-sponsored hackers from the likes of Iran, Russia, and unsurprisingly, China pose a real threat to the United States' electrical transmission lines. However, there's another far less obvious threat to the grid, electric vehicles. Yes, you read that right. The Biden administration is desperate to consign the internal combustion engine to the dustbin of history. In this radical shift to embrace a new zero-emission world, Americans are being told to embrace... uh, Embrace? Embrace. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why anybody listens to this. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, where was I? (laughs) Embrace electric vehicles. (laughs) Such an embrace, however, requires a stellar power grid, the very thing the United States lacks. Awesome. Just to be clear, the U.S. power grid involves a huge network of transmission lines, power plants, and distribution centers. The United States has three major grids, the eastern grid, the western grid, and the ERCOT grid, wherever that is. Otherwise known, oh, the Texas grid. Uh, Of the three, the eastern grid is the largest. Although the three grids can operate independently, they're also connected. A failed grid means no power for tens of millions of citizens in prolonged periods of darkness. Imagine a power grid failure in the likes of Los Angeles or New York. The two cities are already riddled with crime. Grid failures would make things many times worse. Attacks since 2016. In 2018, the Department of Homeland Security announced that Russian hackers had hijacked the control rooms of various electric utilities. This allowed the hackers to disrupt power flows and cause blackouts. Rather alarmingly, the DHS conceded that the attacks had been occurring since 2016, the same year the Russians started attacking Ukraine's grid. Although the Russians have strenuously denied the attack, such denials appear to conflict with reality. As tensions between Russia and the United States escalate, and tensions with China, another hacker-friendly country, intensify, expect more disruptions to the grid. However, as mentioned, Americans must concern themselves with more benign threats. A recent paper published in Applied Energy discussed the threat of EVs to the grid. Currently, there are 2.5 million EVs in the United States. Four in five owners opt to charge their cars overnight. This decision, according to the researchers, is putting a considerable strain on power grids. By 2025, the United States will have more than 20 million EVs on its roads. According to Bloomberg, by 2030, more than half of car sales will be electric. The strain is increasing and power grids are ill-equipped to shoulder the load. And that's another reason I've been seeing all this stuff coming down the pipelines with all these different regulations and policies and other crap that are doing as to why you need to invest in a generator so when this stuff goes down you've got a generator at least big enough that you can plug in uh something to recharge your phones and different things like that that hopefully are still working and your fridges and freezers to keep your meat frozen and not thawing out and getting you sick later on because they've got you know they've defrosted and then refroze whenever you get power back uh so anyways uh if bloomberg's projection proves to be correct then as the researchers note it will take 5.4 gigawatts of energy storage to charge evs to put 5.4 gigawatts into perspective one nuclear power plant produces one gigawatt of energy uh, i think we're a little screwed Uh, The United States currently has 55 power plants. To facilitate the new EV revolution, the United States requires many more. Considering California, the largest state in the country, has moved to ban the sale of gas-powered cars, and other states are considering introducing similar measures. The United States needs to get a move on. Time is very much of the essence. Yeah, we're a little behind the eight ball already on that one. What would happen if, say, the power grid was to fail in EV-crazed California? To answer that question, we need only rewind a few months. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. This past summer, plagued by scorching hot temperatures, the Golden State's power grid came incredibly close to collapsing. It survived, but only just. The grid will be tested again. With California's desire to boost EV sales, the next test would prove to be an unmitigated disaster. Energy is a finite resource and a fact that seems to be lost on so many EV enthusiasts. Uh, yeah, kind of like the the video that I seen going around. Of I don't know, probably earlier this year. This guy asking if they can take him to a gas station. They're like, "Dude, you drive an electric car. Now explain to me again why you need gas again." And then he finally pops the trunk and pulls out his generator. <laughs> I need gas for my generator to charge my car. <laughs> Uh, it was hilarious. At least it was me. I was laughing my butt off. <laughs> All right. In truth, the nation's power grid is already on its last leg. It has been for years. In a sobering piece piece for Smithsonian Magazine, Masad Amin, a professor of electrical and computer engineering at the University of Minnesota, explained the many ways in which the country's power grid, the most complex one ever assembled, could fail the grid he wrote underpins our economy our quality of life our society without it society we'd be brought to a screeching halt crime would rise lives would be lost chaos chaos would reign supreme by 2025 according to the american society of civil engineers the inability of the united states to maintain its many power lines will cost the country dearly 130 billion to be exact EVs so often hailed as the best thing since sliced bread come with a whole host of sizable problems. Across the United States, as the author Ben Guest recently noted, there are currently 21 EVs per public charging port. Oh, dang! By 2030, to keep up with EV purchasing trends, the United States must install almost 500 charging ports every day for the next 8 years. Does this sound realistic to you? Even if the United States does somehow manage to install enough ports, the grid simply isn't strong enough to support the battery-related demands. This is a point that needs to be emphasized repeatedly and unapologetically. Yes, state-sponsored hackers are a threat, but state-sponsored EV initiatives aren't exactly harmless. In the blind embrace of all things green, we must not lose sight of the bigger picture, the objective realities that stare us straight in the face. Smack! That's what's going to happen. So, you know, the thing is, people that aren't going to prepare themselves, and, you know, when this, you know, there's like, oh, this will never happen, blah, blah, blah. They'll take care of it. Put way too much faith in the government, first of all, but also in the technology. Uh, I know throughout my work years experience that most people have no clue how stuff works. And that's fine. I get it. Not everybody's a freaking construction whore like myself, and I've been around the block and about every little bit of business there is uh, to understand the infrastructure of when you flush the toilet, how you, how the water gets into the toilet in the first place and where all that stuff comes from, all the way up from the mountains to the wells to the tanks to the to the car wash <laughs> and where all that water goes. Once you've used it. So, you know, like I say, I've been around the block and a lot of that stuff. So I understand the infrastructure system. And, you know, I can see the things that people are doing in our government that are causing problems for a lot of people. And the ones that are going to take the brunt of it are all these little techie people. Sorry if this offends you, but this the truth. So... If it offends you, then maybe you should do something about it. Is go learn some freaking skills besides how to run a freaking computer. It's about all I can tell you. I mean, you probably don't even know how to change your tire. I mean, that's a pretty critical thing. If you drive a vehicle in general, you should know how to change the tire at a minimum. You know, checking the oil and other things like that is probably a good idea as well. But not necessarily as critical as if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you blow a tire, and the only thing you can think of to do is try and call AAA and hope you have cell service where you're at. I don't know what to tell you at that point. <laughs> you're gonna die. Uh, anyways. <laughs> all right, I got one last little Twitter piece here, and then I'll end this podcast. But all I can say is, if you haven't got out and voted already, uh, do it. If you haven't mailed in your ballot, if I'm, if you, maybe you got two or three of them. I don't know. That's the way trends going these days. They just send out anybody that's got a name on there and an address. They don't check to see if you're even still alive anymore. Um, this is Elon Musk says he's committed to free speech even at risk of direct personal safety. Uh, let's see here. I gotta figure out how to scroll down here. Um, where's my cursor? That's part of my problem here. Is I'm somewhat com- Peter illiterate. Okay, there we go. Elon Musk says that Twitter's mission is to become the most accurate source of information about the world, while restating his commitment to free speech, even if it comes at personal safety risk, to himself. Musk, a self-described free speech absolutist, took to Twitter on November 6th to reiterate his pledge for open discourse on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, the lefties are hating this. My commitment to free speech extends even to not banning the account following my plane, even though that is a direct personal safety risk, Musk wrote. He was referring to the Elon jet account set up by college student Jack Sweeney, who has been tracking Musk's flights using publicly available data since 2020. Musk's pledge to not shut down the jet tracking account drew a sympathetic response. Thank you for backing your commitment to free speech. Overwhelmingly, the followers of my account are supporters and admirers of your endeavors, Sweeney wrote via the Elon Jet account. (laughs) Sweeney earlier dismissed the suggestions that Musk would axe the account after taking ownership of Twitter. Uh, I'm not worried about now that Musk owns Twitter. If he banned Elon Jet, the news would be all over it, so I don't think he will do it, Sweeney wrote in an op-ed in Newsweek. Sweeney also wrote on his personal Twitter account that he's against people using the JET account to track down Musk and look for him in person, saying that he's open to discussing with Musk taking the account down. Musk had reportedly requested that Sweeney take down the account over a security risk, telling the student in a message cited by the protocol that he doesn't love the idea of being shot by a nutcase. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't love that one either. (laughs) Twitter's new mission. Nearly two weeks after taking over Twitter and becoming its new CEO, Musk wrote in a Twitter post, Twitter needs to become by far the most accurate source of information uh, about the world. That's our mission. Twitter didn't immediately return a query from the Epoch Times about whether a company plans to incorporate Musk's guidance into its official mission statement, which at the time of reporting remained unchanged. Currently, Twitter Inc. states that its mission is to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers, pledging to do so in ways that improve and do not detract from a free and global conversation. Musk took ownership of Twitter on October 27th. In an open letter, he called the platform a digital town square where a broad range of ideas can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. Oh, that that probably in itself made... Bunch of lefties mad. <laughs> In the face of concerns over whether his commitment to free speech would mean dismantling content guardrails at Twitter, Musk said he won't oh wouldn't let the platform become a free for all hellscape where anything could be said with no consequences. To be crystal clear, Twitter's strong commitment to uh oh crap, where'd I go? Commitment to content moderation remains absolutely unchanged, he wrote in a recent post on Twitter, while the company company's head of safety and integrity, Yoel Roth, wrote in a recent Twitter post thread that the daily volume of content moderation actions that the company has taken has stayed steady. One of the enforcement actions Twitter is taking concerns users who impersonate other users on the platform without clearly specifying it as a parody account. They could face permanent suspension without a warning. Previously, we issued a warning before suspension, but now that we are rolling out widespread verification, there will be no warning, Musk said in a November 6 Twitter post. Musk said this will be clearly identified as a condition for signing up to Twitter Blue, noting that any name change at all will cause temporary loss of a verica- verified check mark. Uh, now, you know, I did remember there is an article About about the, I guess he's going to charge like, I don't know, $8 a month or something like that to get your verified blue check. And uh, where is it here? I think I can find that a little faster. Bunch of voter information stuff. Uh, True the vote. Oh yeah, there's the true the vote thing. I didn't even get to those guys. Where did it go? I swear I just read it earlier. Um, I guess I didn't say that one either. I, I don't know. I'm I'm really not good at this, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, here it is. From Saturday. Twitter launches monthly subscription service. Certain users get a discount. <laughs> All right, well, that's fine. It's his company, I guess. Um, it is... Where did my cursor go again? Good grief. This double screen thing's throwing me off. Twitter on November 5th launch, launched its revamped subscription service dubbed Twitter Blue. First major product update since Elon Musk bought the California based company, Twitter Blue was being offered to certain users for $4.99 a month and to others for $7.99 a month. Whoa, that's a lot of money. Oh, just kidding. Big difference though $5 to $8, I guess. While the subscription service is not new, Musk has given it a central role in his efforts to turn the company around. Twitter Blue now gives people exclusive benefits. Prospective subscribers were told, including early access to select features and the ability to edit posts. People seeking the coveted blue check marks that are featured next to some usernames will also get one if they subscribe. Uh, quote We're exploring ways to make the Twitter experience next level, and Twitter Blue is just the beginning. This opt in paid monthly subscription offers exclusive access to premium features that let you customize your Twitter experience. The company said in a statement the subscription was being offered to users in the united states canada australia and new zealand in june 2021 the social media platform first introduced twitter blue as a subscription offer that provided additional features and perks to users who choose to enroll twitter didn't respond by press time to a request for more details including why certain users were being offered a discount the lower price was being offered to at least one user who already had a blue check mark, the Epic Times confirmed. Musk bought Twitter in October for $44 billion. He has said he sees the company as providing a digital town square. Uh pretty much what it said in the last article. Uh in which the company has increased engaged in recent years. Blue check mark, which means a user's identity is verified. That's what freaking I think uh Zuckerberg needs to spend some money and get all these bots off of Instagram. Um, <clears throat> the blue check mark, which means a user's identity is verified, was a key aspect of subscriptions. In the past, users could submit an application for one, but many struggled to obtain one. Musk said on November 5th that previously the check marks were being handed out, often arbitrarily. You can buy as many as you want right now with a Google search piggybacking off payment system plus Apple Android is a much better way to ensure verification, he wrote on Twitter. Musk also voiced support for investigating allegations that Twitter employees were selling check marks for upward of fifteen grand. Holy crap, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> if all goes well, Twitter Blue may be rolled out to other countries, according to Musk. So there's your Twitter news. <laughs> I know you've been dying to hear all that stuff, huh? Uh, let's see. Um, I think that's probably about it. I'm gonna wrap this baby up and try and keep it a little bit shorter than typical. Oh great! Now where's my where's my button here so I can say sayonara, suckers. Until next time. Um, like I say, there's plenty of news getting made all the time, so it's really not. A shortage of what I could talk about, just depending on what seems more relevant to me, to let you know, because if you're smart, you don't definitely don't watch the news and you definitely don't follow politics. <laughs> that's that's definitely caused me some mental issues over the years. <laughs> uh, but anyways, <laughs> I guess thanks uh, for listening once again, torching yourselves, and uh, we'll hopefully hear you or you'll hear me but you'll definitely listen to The Nielsen Show. Until next time, see ya.